Psalm 42. Psalm chapter 42. We're going to read just a few verses to start out this evening. We'll read the first five verses of the psalm. Lord willing, we'll be covering all of this psalm. Tonight, all 11 verses. It's a great, great message for us, I believe, in this psalm. I'd love to just read the beautiful poetry and songs that Israel would have sung. Uh, they were deep. They're, they're thought-provoking. Let's look at one of them tonight. Psalm 42, verse number 1. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. This singular thought I find in this psalm, just and, and the whole psalm seems to me to just flow out of these first two verses. And that thought is this, having a thirst, a desire, a longing, a craving for God. That's what I'd like to speak to us on tonight, having a thirst for God. This is, a thirst is, it's an urge, it's so natural, we don't even think about it, but it's, it's a need, I mean in a real, in the purest sense, it's a need that must be met. It has to be. It, it culminates in an urge that's just unmistakable and unescapable, really. Uh, when you really are thirsty, there's just no getting around it. Nothing else will do except a cool glass of water, right? And that is the picture we have here of a thirst after God. You know, in the Christian life, we are going to fight apathy and disinterest. We're going to have to fight indifference and coolness to the things of God. We're going to have to fight an aversion to spiritual matters where we just, I just want to put it off to the side and just talk about it later, you know. I just don't want to deal with that right now. But when it comes to this psalm, we see a man who wrote this who was thirsting after God and who was not going to be denied finding him because the the need was too great. And uh, we're going to have seasons where we feel our motivation. We feel an eagerness. But we're also going to have seasons in our life where we feel those have dwindled. We've all become weary and well-doing at some point. But, and God never intended us to have an emotionless, stale, indifferent kind of relationship. That's not the, the God of the Bible. He's a living God, and He desires a living relationship, a breathing relationship, something where I'm constantly in fellowship and communion with Him, and His Holy Spirit resides in me. And I'm following his will and not my own. And that only comes when we have a thirst after God, when we want to know him. Our relationship with Jesus ought to be marked by a passion and a yearning to know him and the power of his resurrection, like Paul talked about. In that same passage, he talked about he wanted to press toward the prize, press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And the psalmist here utilizes this beautiful picture of a deer that needs water, 
And maybe you can't find water. But there's a need that has to be met. It's that natural unrelenting desire for something to refresh and revitalize, revitalize our bodies. And we need that in our spirit. And I hope tonight that you can see just how much we need it. And I hope you see it so you sense the Lord stirring in your heart a thirst for the, for the Lord, for the word of God, and to pray to him. You know, in order for the deer to get to the, to the drinking part, he's first got to have that thirst. And uh, thirst, is while it is natural, let me also say thirst can be uh, cultivated. It can be encouraged. There's this thing that we used to have on our, uh, we didn't really have a farm, but we did have chickens and we had a couple horses growing up and we had on our property this block that we called a salt lick. Ever seen one of those things? Tastes nasty, don't try it. Okay? <laughs> you might hear it called a mineral lick. Those things, there are natural ones and there are artificial ones, but they provide the essential minerals required for growth. And I find that interesting, right? We need growth in our spiritual walk, don't we? We need to see constant growth. And, and they provide that, and it's essential that horses or deer or cattle even have that salt. And uh, they provide the nutrients. But they have a great side effect too, which is very healthy, by the way. They create thirst. And boy, we need things in our life that will create thirst. We need, in a sense, a spiritual salt lick sometimes that we can go to and, and get what we need for growth and, and have something that creates that desire to know God better. And tonight we're going to look at this psalm with that idea in mind, that we're looking for, if you would, if you would a spiritual salt list. We're looking for things that, that encourage a thirst for God because I believe in this psalm you find in it the ingredients that drove the psalmist to the point of verses 1 and 2 where he said, My soul thirsteth after God. It didn't happen by accident. It happened because of the things that he writes about in the psalm. We're going to take a look at those things and look at things that will create a thirst in, for God in our life. The first thing, maybe um, we might think it's not really that applicable, but I believe it is, is found in verse 2. He asks a question that is an open-ended question. I don't really think it's a rhetorical question. I think it's a question he legitimately didn't know the answer to at this point. He said, when shall I come and appear before God? In Old Testament times, that is a reference to going to the place of worship because that was how they communed with God. They went to the tabernacle. They went to the synagogue because it was the only place that they could find the scriptures. They went to a place of worship to offer sacrifices. They had to go somewhere. And the psalmist, for whatever reason, we don't know exactly who this is. It could be a reference to David in his flight to Absalom. Some people believe it to be so. And if that's the case, it was David saying, I don't know when I can go back to Jerusalem to worship again in the formal sense that I have been accustomed to. When shall I come and appear before God? Can I tell you, the first thing that creates a thirst for God that I find mentioned is an inability to worship. Can you imagine a place where you cannot worship God openly? But at such places exist all over the world today. Boy, there are Christians today who would love the opportunity to do what we are doing tonight and to worship God. We got just a little bit of a taste of that for a few days back two years ago. Do you remember that? For a few 
for what well, it was about a month that we didn't have in-person services maybe maybe a month and a half it, it stretched on a little lot longer than we would have liked I know that and right at the beginning of May we were able to begin to have services again in person and even then it was not everyone at the same time but do you remember that there was one of two effects that had on Christians it either allowed them to drift from God and lose all desire for the house of God or it stirred in them a thirst and a desire to be in the house of God again. I hope it did the latter for you. I believe it has. That's why you're here again tonight, right? Boy, it stirs a thirst in our soul when we can't worship God. Can I tell you, we can worship God anywhere. Amen? I'm so glad of that. I'm so glad I can come boldly before the throne of grace and comb in my closet or hear from the pulpit. But can I tell you that coming to worship before God here in the company of believers is something special, something we ought to treasure. Can you imagine the reaction of some Christians around the world who cannot when they see that we can, but so, men, so few are actually faithful? And I just encourage you tonight, let's be faithful. And I know I'm speaking to the choir at this point because you're here tonight. Thank you for coming. And not thank you because pastor would like it, not thank you because I like it, but thank you because... I see in that a desire to worship God, and that encourages me to see that there are people who love God and want to worship Him. The next thing, though, is something more essential, even something that we see for us that we all need. Verse 3, he says, My tears have been my meat day and night. In other words, that word meat can be translated food. That's the idea. It's my sustenance. It's, it's what I'm eating. In other words, I can't eat. I can only weep. There were some circumstances here that were tough. But can I tell you what created the thirst for God was not necessarily the circumstances he was in, but the circumstances he was in allowed him a new, fresh recognition of his need. And that's the second thing I'd like us to see tonight that will create a thirst for God, a recognition of our need. Can I tell you, I need God. And when things are going well, the thing that we tend to do so easily is just to say, I'm good. You know, I read my Bible in the morning, I pray. But when something comes along that just breaks the routine and causes us to say, wait a minute, things are not how they've always been. It kind of just shocks you a little bit into, whoa, I need God. I need his wisdom in this decision. I need his, his power to know, to, to be able to accomplish this task. I, I need to know what he wants me to do. And circumstances of life can have that effect. And I thank the Lord that he uses things for that. And shocks us back into reality sometimes of, hey, you just have a huge glaring need for me. This was a time the psalmist couldn't eat because of weeping. It was a trial. It was a hardship that consumed him emotionally. But spiritually, it reminded him of the greatest longings of his heart. You know, there was a time, this was a time where he looked for assistance from friends but there was nothing to be found. Look at what it says. My tears have been my meat night and day, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? In a mocking tone, in a, in a discouraging sense, people are there, but people are not there to support him. They are there to just tell him how, how foolish this is of him to continue to trust God. Doesn't that remind you of Job and his friends and how they were better when they kept their mouth shut? 
and how his wife came to him and said, curse God and die, and yet God says he retained his integrity. It's a pretty amazing thing. Job 23, 1 through 3, Job answered and said, even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. Behold, This is skipping down to verse 8 of the chapter. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. And it seems that the situation has just completely crumbled, and Job has lost his nerve, and Job has lost his faith. But the truth is, when we go through hard times and we cannot see him, he's still there. And Job said in the next verse, in verse 10, I love it, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. God, I can't find you, but you know exactly where I am and you know where I'm going to be. That's the kind of faith that we need as we face difficulties in life or even just face the unknown of life. We need to be reminded that we have a need of God, And that will create a thirst to know him. When you need guidance, don't we pray? Lord, there's a big decision coming up. We need your wisdom. We need to pray. We need to seek the Lord over everything. The way we think we need to when it's something big. We always need that. Psalm 42.4 says, When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. Oh, seek the Lord with all your heart and all your soul. Have a thirst for God. The third thing we see is in verse 5. Look down in verse number 5 with me. He says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted unto me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. The third reason is very simply that he was reminded of the character of his God. He was reminded of the character of his God. Why be cast down? Why be discouraged when you've got a God who's greater than any circumstance? Why be discouraged when you've got a God who can give you the wisdom that you need to make that decision? Why, do, why be discouraged about our health when, we've, when we have the great physician as our guide? And if the Lord doesn't heal, I, and I don't mean to make light of health issues, believe me, but If the Lord doesn't heal here on earth, praise God, we have a hope in heaven that there'll be no sorrow and no death and no pain and no sickness. Be reminded of the character of God. Let's read several of these other verses. He continues the thought. Look down in verse number six. He says, Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the, day of, in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me. And my prayer unto the God of my life. Can I tell you, he is a God, first of all, of hope. You see it in verse 5. Hope thou in God. And even though circumstances are impossible, God gives hope. And though our future may seem bleak, sometimes God is a God of hope. And even though our flesh sometimes seems like there's just no way we could overcome that temptation, we have a God of hope 
who is a sure foundation for us. First Thessalonians 5 and 6 says, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober, for they that sleep sleep in the night, and let it be drunken or drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. We have that blessed hope in Titus 2.13, and the, the glorious appearing of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. We have a God of hope. But we don't just have, we don't just have that. He, in verse 6, 7, I'm sorry, he's a God of strength. A God of strength. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. And that's a reference to Mediterranean storms that I read descriptions of that are just kind of, they're disturbing to be honest. Things that we would call a water spout, but on a large scale that would throw water up and cause deluges of rain that would just destroy and damage things. But can I tell you, God is the God of the storm, and he controls. He's greater even than all of that. I love Isaiah 40. Uh, when you talk about passages that exalt the power and the strength of our God, there's nothing better. Would you turn there with me for just a moment? Isaiah chapter 40. We'll look at three verses here very quickly. Isaiah chapter 40. But the whole chapter is all centered around the power of our God and describing who he is and and it ends, of course, with that great verse that we can mount up with wings as eagles and walk and not be weary. They shall, they shall run and not, there shall walk and not faint. There shall run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Great passage. I should memorize it sometime. Isaiah 40, verse 15, though, is where I want to take you just for a few verses here. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. You know, we look at this conflict over in Russia and Ukraine and people are so frightened about the power of the nuclear bomb, and oh my, and we need to be scared, because the news media told us we need to be scared, that things could get worse, and of course they could. And it's nothing to, to sneeze at. It is, war is a horrible thing. But can I tell you, that's nothing compared to the strength of our God. Nothing. Verse 15, the nations are as the drop of a bucket, and boy, that includes all their power as well. And are as counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. And Lebanon, the great forest there he refers to, is not sufficient to burn. Nor the beast thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All the nations before him are as nothing. And they are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. And then he asks the questions, To whom will then will ye liken God? Or what likeness will ye compare to him? Oh, there's no idol, no, no figure that we could make that would represent him. There's nothing we can really say to completely describe him because our God is a God of strength and power. There's nothing that's outside of his hand. And though we face difficulties, we have to remember that our God is greater than all of that. Go back to Psalm 42 with me, if you would, and see verse 8 of Psalm 42. Because the last thing I want you to see is that he's not only a God of hope and a God of strength, and it's great to have a powerful God, believe me, but Islam believes in a powerful God. They also believe in an impersonal God, a God who, whose needs are above our needs, and he places them that way. But our God is a God of encouragement. Verse 8, yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me in my prayer shall be unto the God of my life. Can I tell you, there's nothing that means more to me than to know when I pray that God cares. 
and God knows my need. He's a God of encouragement. And let's look at one last thing. We'll draw to a close as we look at the last portion of the psalm in verse number 9. One last thing that we see in this, this particular psalm that creates a thirst for God, and it's something that I struggle with, to be honest. It's something that I don't always understand, and I'm sure you've been here as well. Verse number 9 says, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they, st- they say daily unto me, where is thy God? And he repeats the mocking taunt that he's been attacked with. That sword in my bones talks about a crushing, something that is just grating and tearing me down and discouraging me. But the question that he asks is so powerful. In verse number 9, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Can I tell you the last thing that I want you to see that creates a thirst for God is unanswered prayer? Unanswered prayer. The hardest kind of prayer. Perhaps even not even just the unanswered prayer, but the, the prayer that's answered with no. It's a sobering thing, isn't it? It's a hard thing to deal with when you have something you're praying about fervently that means the world to you and it seems that God just does not answer. It's something that you're praying and you're seeking the Lord over and yet it seems that there's still no hope, there's still no movement, there's still nothing that God's doing in that situation. Some things I think of, I know that many here have lost loved ones and are praying for them, and God has not answered some of those prayers as of now. Can I tell you, in this difficult time, as he asks these questions, even as the thoughts going through his mind, why have you forgotten me? Why are these things happening to me? Why have you not answered my prayer? Those things are there and are creating in this man a thirst for his God. See, answered prayer, just like we talked about the inability to worship could have two effects, answered prayer can have two effects as well. They can weaken our faith. We can allow them to get us discouraged and say, God doesn't care about me. Or we can allow them to say, maybe God wants me to thirst after him more. Maybe God wants me to get down on my knees and be faithful to pray and show that this is important And seek his face, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Maybe God is not sitting there saying, no, I don't want to answer that prayer. He's saying, you need to get serious about me and about my word and about praying about this matter. You need to maybe fast. You need to pray. You need to seek my face. And maybe even we need to do something about it. (laughs) Oftentimes we have some ability to do that, don't we? God uses unanswered prayer, something the world looks at us and says, you're foolish to trust God over this. He's not answering your prayer. Where's now your God? He's not working on your behalf. And God is using that same circumstance that they look at and say foolishness to bring us into a place where we're willing to get close with God and deal with things that we wanted to just put off before and deal with the apathy that's in our hearts sometimes toward the things of God. And I'm not accusing anyone of anything today, but but the Lord put this thought on my heart that, wow, 
how many times have I given up praying when maybe God just wanted me to get a little more serious about praying? Maybe tonight you, you're here tonight and it just seems that God is difficult to find. It seems your worship's dry and empty. Discouragement seems to have just become a way of living. Genuine worship seems to be just, just elusive to you. Can I encourage you with these things? God is waiting for a thirsty soul. God is waiting for someone to come to him and say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to seek you. Because the last thing I want to just encourage you with is that there's hope for a thirsty soul. Listen to some of these verses. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. That's not normal to say blessed are they which hunger and thirst. That's usually a bad thing. But he says, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. John, 14, 13, 13, John 4, 13 and 14, Jesus answered and said unto the woman at the well, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That well doesn't dry up as soon as we get saved. It's still springing up. In our life. John seven thirty seven. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And Isaiah forty four three, for I will pour water on him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I'll pour out my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring. And God is waiting to bless the thirsty soul that comes to him and says, God, I recognize my need. And I know that I'm able to come worship you. I'm going to. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make that step. And I'm going to seek you earnestly. Someone who, even with all the circumstances of life around them, is willing to say, even in the middle of unanswered prayer, and even in the middle of a time when it's easy to forget who my God is, I'm going to seek after him. I want to know him. I want to, I want to have his power evident in my life. If that's you tonight, boy, can I encourage you to go to the Lord right now. You don't have to wait till an invitation. You can seek God right this moment. He's waiting to pour water on him who's thirsty. Let's go to the Lord now. Father, open our hearts. Lord, would you pour out in our souls your water. Lord, a refreshing, a revitalizing. And Lord, help us to desire more and more just you to pour out your blessing in our life. Lord, maybe tonight some people are dealing with some circumstances that are difficult. Help them through that. Help those who are dealing with prayer that's as of yet unanswered. Help them to to seek your face about it. And help us all to be serious with you. Lord, help me to be more serious about knowing you and remembering who you are. Even in the easy times, it seems. Sometimes it seems those are the easiest time to forget who you are. Help us all to love you, to serve you, and to know you better tonight. Lord, we ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen.